Hey, good morning everyone. Welcome to the Life and Torah of Our Leaders. Tuesday mornings, 11.30, live with First Seder Bismadrish, firstseder.org. Find out more information about this wonderful program there. Special welcome to our Torah Anytime viewers and listeners who will be joining the share. Today we are continuing our series on the Paiskim, and we are going to talk today about Rabbi Akiva Eger. Now, um, almost a year ago, um, Yud Aleph Teves was, we spoke about Rabbi Shloyme Eger, Rabbi Akiva Eger's son, and we mentioned numerous details about Rabbi Akiva Eger in that shear as well. I will try not to repeat um, some of the things I said about Rabbi Kivager there, just in order to be, because of time constraints, to be able to get in as much as we can. So, it could be as a hashlama to this uh, shear from today, it might be Kadai to search on Torah anytime or on my website, RabbiDavidEgros.com, for the life and Torah of Rabbi Shleim Eger. And uh, it'll, together with today's shear, it'll give you a big picture of who Rabbi Kivager was. So, Rabbi Kivager was Nifter Yud Gimel Tishrei. Tov Kuf Tzadiches, which is 1837. His father's, his family name was actually not Eger. That was his maternal grandfather's family name, as we'll see in a moment. His father's name was Ramosha Gins, or Gans, as we would say perhaps today. And in the Sharblat, in the title page of his grandfather's Sefer, called Mishnas Rebbe Kiv Eger, as we'll see in a moment, it says that his father, Reb Moshe Gans, was Neched HaGoyin Reb Moshe Broide. He was a grandson of the Goyin Reb Moshe Broide, who was a Rav in Worms, in Vermeiza, who was a son of Rabban Shalkal Yisrael, of one of the great Kedolim, whose name was Reb Avram Broide, who was a Rav in Frankfurt. So his father came from Begichus. His mother was named Gittel, and she was the daughter of Rabbi Akiva Eger, who he was named after. So he was, she was the daughter of Rabbi Kivager. Rabbi Kivager, the first one as he's called, or Hakadmain, the early one, as he's referred to, was known as the Rav of a place called Siltz and the Rav of Pressburg. Now, in Chuvas Rabbi Kivager, Simon Chaf Tess, um, her brother, Rabbi Kivager's uncle, Rav Wolf Eger, writes about his sister, Gittel, the Rebbe Kivager's mother, he says, Achosi ha'yechida, my only sister, ha'tzadekis, who's a tzadekis, umulumedes kegavra. And she is uh, educated just like a man. She was a very smart uh, woman. Mulumedes kegavra. Now, Rebbe Kivager was, the, all the history books say that he was born in Eisenstadt. Eisenstadt is what's today Austria, about 60 kilometers south of Vienna. And, um, that's where his parents lived. And he was born on Aleph Cheshvan, Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan of 1761, Tav Kuf Now we know this because in the German Jews and had a minute called a vimple. A vimple was, they used to take the cloth that the baby was wrapped in during his bris milah, and eventually they would um, embroider it and make it beautiful and bring it to be uh, like the gartel for the Sefer Torah. They would wrap the Sefer Torah in it. So it was an Eisenstadt they used to have in the shul, the vimple, that Rabbi Kivager's mother um, donated to the shul in honor of his birth. And it was embroidered on it this date, Aleph Rishchidosh Mar Cheshvan, Tav Kuf Chav Beis, 1761, um, was when he was born. Now, 
even though we said he was born in Eisenstadt, and this is how all the history books say, a number of years ago, maybe seven or eight years ago, there was an auction house in Eretz Yisrael, I think it was, that came across the um, the the notebook of one of the big Mohalim of Pressburg. And in that notebook, it said that on Tes Cheshvan, um, which was a Friday, Yoim Vav Tes Cheshvan, Hayisi Moyel Eitzel Hayelet Akiva, Ben She'er Beisi, Ramayshagens. That I was the male for the child, Akiva, the son of my relative, Ramayshagens. Now, the first thing is that if he was born Aleph Cheshvan, his bris should have been Ches Cheshvan. So perhaps he was born Ben Ashmashas, or maybe he was a little yellow, and his bris wasn't till Tes. Um, the fact that it was in Pressburg, it seems, sounds like that, well, the bris seems to have been in Pressburg. Pressburg is about maybe 150 kilometers from Eisenstadt. Um, so maybe they went there just for the bris. Maybe he was born there because that's where um, his his uh, maternal grandmother lived. As we'll see, his grandfather was not alive. Um, it's a little hard to know exactly the details. But that was an interesting find a few years back um, of where his bris actually occurred. Now, he was named after his grandfather, Akiva. As we said, he was the Rav of Pressburg. And he was Nifter very young. He was Nifter, he was either 37 or 39. And uh, in the year Tav Kuf Yudches, about three years earlier, he had been Nifter. And it was an unbelievable story, his Petira. This Rebbe Kiva Eger, um, as we said, he was a Rav in a place called Siltz. And then he was appointed to be the assistant Rav in Pressburg. He was a young person, so let's say he was about 35 or 34. And he was appointed to be the assistant Rav to the elderly Rav, Rav Moshe Harif, who was the Rav in Pressburg. And he helped him out with a lot of his things. After four years of helping him out, the Tzibor, the community, wanted Rabbi Kiva Eger to start giving drushes in the main shul. And at first he didn't want to do it. The Rav is still alive. It's not a cover for the Rav. And they pressured him a lot. And eventually he agreed to start giving drushes in the main shul. However, Ramosh Harif, the Rav, was very mocked about this. He was insulted. He was upset about it. And Ramosh Harif was nifter. Gimel Elul, um, in Tov Kuf Yudches, which is uh, 1757. And Rebbe Kiva Eger got up to be masbid him in the main shul. And in the middle, he stopped and he says that the nifter is not allowing me to continue the hasbid. And he is calling me to a din in the Bezdin Shomayla. He tried to continue again and he was not able to continue. And immediately after the Levaya, Rebbe Kiva Eger went, he went home, he got sick. And 11 days later, Tesvav Elul of Tav Kuf um, Yud Ches, so I'm sorry, this is 1758, Tav Kuf Yud the end of, um, of 1758, Tesvav Elul, 11 days later, he was Nifter, and when they got up to be Masbid Rebekah Vegar, the, the uh, person giving the Hesbid started off, Achad Asar Yoim Mechayrev, a Pasuk in Parshas Tavarim, 11 days from the last Chorban. We lost the Rav Ramayi 11 days ago, and this is 11 days later, Rebbe Kiva Eger was Nifter. So he was all uh, the main Rav in Pressburg for all of 11 days, which he was actually sick during those 11 days. On his Matseva in Pressburg, I was there, and um, I noticed what it said on the Matseva, but I didn't know the story, and it was just, it, 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 uh, I didn't understand what it said, but on the Matseva it says, 
quotes the Gemara in Brachas Samachalif, Ashrecha Rebbe Kiva, how fortunate you are, Rebbe Kiva, that you were chapped, you were captured, this is talking about the Rebbe Akiva, captured by the Romans, but they were saying this Rebbe Kiva also, he was taken because of Divrei Taira, which sounds like they're justifying the fact that he did speak in the Shul, I don't know how to understand that exactly, but that's what it says on his Matseva, it starts off at least, Ashrecha Rebbe Kiva, so he had been Nifter very young, and um, his grandson a few years later in 1761 was named uh, after him Akiva. Um, now it's interesting that uh, many years later in Tavkafayin Gimel, when the Chassam Seifer, who was a relative of Rav Moshe Harif, ended up marrying the daughter of Rabbi Kiva Eger, um, our Rabbi Kiva Eger, so the granddaughter of a great-granddaughter of the original Rabbi Kivager. So the, the Yailam would say, the Velt would say, that the G'daylam made Shalom in Shemayim, that Ramay Sheharif and the original Rabbi Kivager made Shalom because now their grandchildren um, got married. And when the Chazam Seifer actually became the Rav of Pressburg, so they said, G'dor Revi Yashuvu Heina, this is the fourth generation from the first Rabbi Kivager, and now he is becoming the Rav here in, um, in Pressburg. Now, Rabbi Kivager always signed his name as Akiva Ginz May Ash from Eisenstadt. Um, so this is what he called himself. Um, later on, even in his life, they took the name Eger, was probably perhaps a more chash of a name, because of the original Rabbi Akiva Eger was a very chash of a person. And that's how the name became Akiva Eger, Rabbi Akiva Eger. However, if you look in the Chuvas, it's always signed Akiva Ginz from, from, from Eisenstadt. Um, his father was his first rabbi, and he also um, learned from the rav of the city of Eisenstadt. His name was Reb Limel from a place, Glaga. Glaga was a certain city, so he was called Reb Lemel from Glaga. He learned from him. And in the Chuvis, in Kama Kufnun Zayin, he writes a Chuvah to his father. Um, his father was Nifter in um, Tav Kufnun, which is 1790. And he writes, I know that my father He doesn't need me to ask me his questions. I'm young in age, I'm young, young in Chachma. Says, I was one thought to myself, why is my father writing me a question, writing me a tshuva? He just wants to enjoy my words. From the love that is natural that a father has for his children. So he wants to enjoy my, my Torah. So therefore, there's no other reason I could think of why he sent me this question. And he signs that letter, Bincha va'avodcha ani. I am your son and your servant. So this his father, he considered his, his Rebbe. Um, for a short time, he also learned in Matisdorf. Matisdorf is uh, very close to Eisenstadt, about 19 kilometers. Reb Nossin Nata um, was the Rav over there, and he learned there for a little bit as well as a young boy. When he was about 12 years old, his uncle, Reb Wolf Eger, his mother's brother, um, brought him to Breslau in Poland. Now that's already a far trip, 600 kilometers. It took some convincing to, for his parents to let him go so far, but his uncle wanted him to come learn in his yeshiva. And at that point, Rabbi Kivager already had a sefer on all of Mesech Deschulen. His uncle saw it and he hid it away, he never showed it to anyone. He didn't want his nephew to become a Balgaiva. And um, he already started saying shiurim by the age of 15. 
um, in his uncle's yeshiva, and he was uh, he was known already throughout the uh, region and perhaps even the countries as a big Eloi. And um, the Gvir, there was a Gvir in the city of Lisa, which is about uh, 100 kilometers north of um, Breslau, was named, there was a Gvir named Reb Itzik Margolius, and Reb Itzik Margolius took Reb Kiveger as a son-in-law for his daughter. His daughter's name was Glikcha, and um, he took him as a, as a son-in-law. He, now, the... Um, they say over that the minig in that time was that they wouldn't give smicha to anyone, and smicha in those days meant they would call the person meirenu. They wouldn't give such a title, meirenu, to anyone under the age of 30. However, the Rav, and I don't know who the Rav was, who filled out the Tznaim for this Shidduch, he wrote meirenu hachasin. And people said, what's going on? He's all of 18 or 19 years old. I mean, that's when he got married. I can't tell you when the Tznaim was. Um, but he's younger than even 20. And um, the Rav said, it's true. I'm not being Mavatel the Minig. He says, um, he says, he said in Yiddish, but what else should I write? He says, he says, er, er is von meaning to say he doesn't need anyone to give him smicha as Meirenu. On his own, he's called Meirenu. That's how he, he was known already at a young age. Um, he got married again. He was about 18 years old in the year Tav Kuf Mem. And in Chuvus Rebbe Kiveger, Simon Chavtes, his uncle writes to him. Now, like I said, it wasn't so far, Breslau, from, from Lisa, where he got married. 100 kilometers is not so far in the big scheme of things. And however, he says that he didn't come to the Chasana, but he writes that in Breslau, they were so happy and excited for the Chasin that they made a Suda, the Yamtif with a Mishta. And Kulanu Smechem Simchascha, we're all in, we're happy with your Simcha. Oichlim Veshaisin Chamra, we're we're eating and we're drinking wine. Vechayelach, and we're wishing you Lechayim. By the way, that's the whole idea of a Lechayim based on a Gemara. That one of the Amaraim used to take a cup of wine and say Lechayim to another person. You should have a long life. That's what Lechayim is. Um, so Lach Ben Achaisi to you, my nephew. And into your wife, Eishes Brisecha, Habesula, Hamulala, Bikishrain, Midaiseo, Tzniaiseo. She's unbelievable in her in her Midais and in her Tzniaus. Um, you should both have uh, you should have a good life. And then he continues and he says, I'm not just writing you a Mazel Tov, you should know, I'm writing to you what we talked about in learning at the Suda. And the Sugi they talked about was that someone who during Sphere, the days of Sviras HaOimer writes in a letter and on a paper Hayayim Kach V'Kach Lo'Imer and the question is is he Yoytzei Sviras HaOimer by writing it in a letter I guess the Shail is could he continue with a bracha or if that night could he not say a bracha does he not have to say does he have to say it without a bracha but this was the Shaila. So in Simon Chavtas, his uncle writes to him the Shaila, and Simon Lamed Rebbe Kiva answers. Simon Lamed Aleph, his uncle answers back. Simon Lamed Beis, Rebbe Kiva responds again. So four Simonim about this Shaila that was written, um, that they discussed at the Suda in Breslau, that they... Um, that they celebrated for Rabbi Kiva Eger's chasana. It's interesting, it's Rabbi Kiva Eger himself writes such a thing in Shulchan Aruch about even if a person is not at someone's chasana, but you could be misameach and make a simcha from afar. And uh, it's interesting that this, everyone is misyachizit, this concept is attributed to Rabbi Kiva Eger. However, you see here actually it happened with him. His uncle did this for his own, for his own chasana. Um... 
Now, to understand also how great he was, besides the story that they wrote, Meirenu, um, in the title page of Mishnah's Rabbi Kivager, now I mentioned this before, we quoted this in the, right in the first minute of the Shir, when we talked about the Yichus of his father, Mishnah's Rabbi Kivager, or Mishnah's Rabbi Kiva actually, is the Sefer of the first Rabbi Kivager, Kivager Akadma, it's called Mishnah's Rabbi Kiva. And so in that Sharblat, where he quotes the, where they, where they quote the, um, where they cite the Yichus of Rabbi Kivager, they write over there, and this was written by one of the children, and he writes, and this was in Tuf Kuf Mem Aleph, um, so this is a year after he got married, and he's, they write over there, Uprat, they're talking to Rabbi Kivager's parents, um, Rabbi Moshe and, and, and Rabbi Singitl, and they said, Buprat Pnam Hagadol, their great son, Tsar Liyamim, he's young, Harabani, Sichloi Zach his intellect is pure and clear, Hamufla Bahaflos Chachamim, he's someone who is uh, unbelievable as a Chacham, Hoige Beseris Hashem, Leilus Viyamim, one who is toiling in the Torah of Hashem nights and days, Merein Rav Akiva Bikak he was in the city of Lisa, where his father-in-law was from. But this is how they're writing in the in the title page about Rabbi Kivager. Again, he was all of 19 years old at this point um, when they when they wrote this. Um, now, while he was there in Lisa, he was he was. Uh, he was he was famous already, and some bachrim came to him, and he had a, he had a yeshiva there. It wasn't such a big yeshiva, if I remember correctly, a smaller yeshiva. I think the rav had a bigger yeshiva in the city, but he had a yeshiva. Now, in Sivan of Tafkuf Nun, so Tafkuf Nun is seventeen ninety. There was a fire in the city of Lisa, and it burned for six hours. And 480 houses burnt down. In the Sharon of Schleimager, I said 500 houses. So it depends which, which source I saw it in. But in that neighborhood, about four, four, uh, 500 houses burnt down. Um, about 196 of them or 200 of them were Jewish houses. And there were only nine Jewish houses that remained. A lot of shuls, but the Midrashas, the whole city burnt down. And um, only nine houses, Jewish houses, remained that weren't burnt. One of them, that was Rebbe Kivager's house, was destroyed. And he had nowhere to go. And there was a city nearby, a city called Ravitch, which is about 40 kilometers from Lisa. And they heard about it, that he's homeless, and they invited him to come to their city. He was there for about a year. And in the year Tafkuf Nunalif, it seems that his father-in-law couldn't support him anymore. So he, be, he accepted on himself the Rabonis of a place called Markish Friedland. Markish Friedland in, in Polish today is called Miroslavitz, which is about uh, 214 kilometers north of Lisa. Ravitch is south of Lisa, and this is about 200 kilometers north of Lisa. Now they over there um, treated him very respectfully, and they had a, had a, a big yeshiva there, and uh, he was Isaac in Tyra. And at the same time, also, it was Isaac in a lot of chesed. And uh, one time there was a magefa, a pandemic in the city. Um, the, in Yiddish, it's called the Mervin fever. I don't exactly know exactly what that, uh, what that magefa is, but it affected a lot of young women. And a lot of young women, even with little children and nursing babies, got sick and died from it. And there were a lot of nebuch uh, nursing babies who didn't have a mother. And he got up in Shul, Rebbe Kivager, and he darshaned, he gave a drasha, and he asked that any other nursing women should take these children into their house and to nurse them until they could wean them. 
And every week he would go around to all of these houses to check on the babies, on their cribs, and on their clothing to make sure that they are well taken care of and everything is clean and properly done with them. Now for the next 24 years he was the Rav in Markish Friedland and his Seder Hayyim for the next 24 years was the following. He would get up every morning about 4 a.m. and he would learn Mishnayis with Davin Shachris and then he had a Shir in Gemara and Taisvis with the Balabatim. He would talk to them about different things that need to be taken care of in the city that day. Afterwards he would eat breakfast with his family and he would learn Tanakh while he was eating breakfast with them. From 10 till 12 he would be in the yeshiva learning a Shir Ion with the Bnei HaYeshiva and he made a minig in the city that if there was a Levaya that was happening in the city from the Fruma people it's interesting, he was the Rav, it didn't seem he necessarily went to every Levaya, that the Levaya should pass by the Bismedrish so that the Bnei Yeshiva could come and be Malava and be Mekayim the Mitzvah and be Malava whoever, um, whoever's uh, funeral it was. After Chatzais, uh, after midday, he would, uh, he would eat some lunch and he would rest a little bit. And while he was resting, he would go through different Sfarim that were sent to him for his Hagois or for his, um, for his comments, or his corrections, or his askamas. That's what he would do while he was resting, and he would write all different corrections and askamas and agais in the svarim. Um, after that, he would review the shear that he had learned in the morning. He would review it with his family members. So the shear he gave in the yeshiva, he would chazer it over with his family members. After that was the time to be in the bezdin, in the Bezdin, and take care of Dine Taira. He would then daven Mincha, he would wear talus and tefillin while he davened Mincha. And then he had another shear in Arachayim and Yaradeya. Um, by Myriv, he would daven for Chayle B'nai Yisrael, I guess maybe out loud, or with Tehillim and things like that, for the people of the city, and they would send him from all over the world, or the countries, the, um, from Europe, to daven. So that's when he would focus on davening um, for Chaylem. From um, from 8 to 10 in the evening, he would answer Shilas, Chuvas. He would write Chuvas that were sent to him. And we'll see about that a little bit later. And then from 10 to 12, he would learn on his own. And then he would go to sleep. And 4 a.m., the, uh, the, the day would begin. This was his Seder Hayyim for the 24 years that he was a Rav in Markish Friedland. He would darshan in Shul. The Rabbanim of those days spoke only on, on big occasions. Shabbos Hagadol, Shabbos Shuba. Yoim Dalit of Slichais, Erev Rosh Chaydish, Kol Nidre, those were the days that he would speak in the main shul before the Tzibur. Um, now it's interesting, every tenth day he would take as a private day. He would be locked up by himself and nothing was allowed to come to his attention. It was just him and the Rabbi Shalaylam, Kulay Isaac Baruchniya. So every ten days he would take a breather, so to speak. Not a breather, but a breather from this busy schedule of being Isaac with Talmidim and with the city, just him and the Rabbi Shalaylam learning and davening the entire day. Now in the year 1796 in Tov Kuf Nunvav, which is only about uh, five years after he came to Markish Friedland, Yudbe's Adar, his wife was Nifter. His wife was Nifter and, um, and again, he was married in the year Tafkuf Mem, Tafkuf Mem. So this is eleven years. I'm sorry, uh, sixteen years later. 
um, his wife was Nifter. He had he had uh, four children from her: two sons, Reb Avram Eger, Reb Shleim Eger, and two daughters. The first daughter I couldn't find her name, and the second one is Serol, who would eventually, in her second marriage, would become the Chassam Seifer's wife. Um, so she was Nifter Yudbeis Adar Adar Aleph in Vav Adar Sheni, which is what uh, three weeks later. Teich to Shleishim, he was still in Avelus for her. They were ready, um, reading him new Shiduchim. And there's a very famous letter that he wrote. He says, um, Am I supposed to forget already the my, my the wife of my youth? Already I'm I, I want He says I should do a shidduch while I'm still in Avelus for her. It's still the Shleishim. Again, for a for a for a wife there's only thirty days of Avelus. And over there he talks about how broken he was. I can't go through the whole thing, but it's an unbelievable letter where he, he talks about how broken he was and how he can't learn, he can't think, he can't sleep. And he talks about who she was. He says, She was the one who took care of my health, Gufi Hachalish. He was a very sickly person, Rabbi Kivager, very weak his whole life. We'll see about this in a few other places as well. And he says, and, and she hid from me, Daigas HaParnasa, that, uh, not, that I shouldn't have to worry about Parnasa, Kashar Nechi Maven as Zeis. Now I understand. Now that she's not here, I realize how much she hid from me. And he says, like we said before, her brother said she was a tzadikus milumedis kegavra. So he writes, he says, Pamim rabbis, many times, There were times that we would have a talk and talk about Yiras Hashem and, and discussions about it until, until the middle of the night. So he was very troubled that they were, uh, you know, reading him Shiduchim, they were giving, offering him Shiduchim so soon um, after her Petira. Lamaisa, he ended up marrying, after different Shiduchim, he ended up marrying. Um, a niece of his, his brother-in-law's daughter, meaning um, his wife's, I think, his wife's sister's daughter, and her name was Brendel, and she was the daughter of Rabbi Yeshua Feivelman, who was a rav in a place called Samter, I don't know where that is, and he said two things. Number one, she's a Bas Talmud Chacham, and number two, she's a granddaughter of my father-in-law. She's a granddaughter of my father-in-law, and my father-in-law deserves that I should marry his granddaughter. I married his daughter, but she passed away to marry his granddaughter because he gave me his daughter as a wife, and he supported me all those years. So therefore, I owe it to him to marry his granddaughter, to marry his granddaughter. And uh, in a tshuva, uh, Kuf Mem Zayin, he writes to his new father-in-law, Rabbi Shua Feivelman, and, and at the end he says, You know, you asked me about your daughter, how she's doing. You should know, she has a lot of years Hashem, and she's very smart. You know, she's stepping in as a stepmother for my children. Everything she's doing, everyone's happy with. He says, he says, my, the, my children are also comforted after their mother through her, and uh, they fear her and they honor her. Ki'ilu, um, she was the one who actually gave birth to them, Bain Hefrish, like mamish, like a mother. So this is what he writes about his uh, second wife. Now, before his wife was Nifter in Tafkuf, in the beginning of Tafkuf Ninvav, his uncle, Revolf, who was his Rebbe, was Nifter. At that point, he was no longer in Breslau, he was in a city called Leipnik. And they wanted Rabbi Kivager to be the Rav of, of Leipnik, um, but he didn't accept it. 
In Tovkuf Ayin, his hometown of Eisenstadt wanted him to become the Rav. However, that would mean moving his again up in what we would call today northwest Poland, the Posen area, Lisa, that neighborhood over there, Markish Friedland, that's all that area of Prussia. And now he would go all the way back down hundreds of kilometers. We said it was what, 600, 600 kilometers. Um, down back to uh, Austria and to that neighborhood. So he says that the rubble of Chavera, of his friends, and they said that he can't leave, can't leave this, uh, this, 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 this region. In 1812, the, his son-in-law, the husband of his daughter, Cyril, Rabbi Avram Moshe Kalisher was Nifter. She was all of 25 years old. She had two children. And shortly after that, she married the Chassam Seifer, whose wife had been Nifter. We talked about this very long time ago in the Shir on the Chassam Seifer. Chassam Seifer was 50 years old. She was 25. Chassam um, Seifer didn't have any children, and he had number, all his children through um, his second wife, Rebekah Vager's uh, daughter. Two years later, in 1814, in Nisan, the people of Posen came and asked that he should be their Rav. And in a letter... In Chaf of Adar, Tovkov Ayendalad, he writes, I think to the Chassam Seifer, he writes that this was very sudden. He says, I can't get my thoughts together to accept this offer or not. I'm sorry, he wrote it to the people of Posen. And he says, I'll answer you hopefully before Pesach. Um, in, um, in a letter to the Chassam Seifer, he writes that I'm not really sure what to do. He says, what should I do? My friends, the ones who held me back from going to Eisenstadt, are now telling me that I have to go to Posen. Posen had been a very hush of a city, and it's time to be Machser Atar to bring the covet back to the city. And he's asked Chassam Seifer three times, I'm asking you, please daven for me. He says that I'm relying on the power of your tefillah. And uh, my wife also, I'm sorry, your wife, um, I'm sorry, he says, Leman alai. If you don't want to, um, you don't want to fulfill my request. Do it for your wife, my daughter, that you should daven for my schus. So over and over, he's asking the Chassam Seifer to daven for his his success. Lamaisa, it took him still a year to get to Posen because the Maskilim were already starting up in Posen, and they were afraid that he was going to fight against them. And therefore, they said a lot of. We mentioned this in the Shem of Shlaim Eger. They went to the government and they said it's going to be a burden and and this and that. And eventually, finally, in Tovkov Ayin Hay, he writes, It seems it's clear that this is what Hashem wants, to go to Posen. And he had to accept on himself three conditions before he went for the government. Number one is, he could have a yeshiva, but only six out-of-town bachrim. It shouldn't become a burden to have out-of-towners on the city having to support them. Number two is he can't give smicha as meirenu to anyone. And that's the maskilim we're not happy about making more rabbanim. And the third thing is they didn't want him to talk berabim about ben adam lamakam. Only ben adam lachaver. He can't talk about ruchnias berabim. Those were the time. As we'll see, it wasn't all of Posen, but it was an influential small part of Posen that made trouble like this. Now when he got to Posen, let's talk about some of the things that he had to fight against the maskilim. Um, in Tovkuf Pei Gimel, which is soon after he came, he had to fight against the concept in those days the government wanted that you should wait three days before you bury a dead person. Um, the Naid of Yehuda wrote a tshuva that it's also to do. There's tshuva some cipher about it. And um, the Rebbe Kivager in a letter, in Igra Seifrim Tezayin, he says, they're, they're, they're pressuring me about this. And he had to stand up against that as well.
In Igeris Chaf Beis, he writes to the Chassam Seifer that um, when it talks about the schools, he says an interesting thing. He says, The government's not making trouble for me with the schools. Uh, they're listening to me. He says, But it's one of our, the Jews. His name was David Kara, one of the big masculine, was making trouble about the schools. And he writes over there, He says, The Baruch Hashem, uh, Most people here in Pozin are Yirei Hashem. He says, They might be Yirei Hashem, but they don't have a fire burning in them. They don't want to wage a fight. They can't fight against the Maskilim. So even the Yirei Hashem, they're very cold about it. They're not doing anything. They won't do things. I'm left on my own to fight the Mucham of Hashem. If you remember in the Shurman, Rib Shleimager, and the Rachlaner, and others, there was a, a, a Kuntris, a little pamphlet called Eila Divrei Habris, that the Rabbanim wrote against the Reform. Rabbi Kivager wrote in there as well. And there's another letter that he wrote about the Reform, that Oysa Melaglim Talmud, those who make fun of the Talmud, he says, Zel Bechlal Akiris Hadas, that's considered uprooting our Yiddishkeit, Kilulei Ho'amuna Shleima B'divrei HaTalmud, if we don't have Emuna Shleima, in the words of Chazal in the Gemara, Tipo Kala the entire Torah will fall apart. Um, in an Igeris Lamed Vav, he writes, you shouldn't let anyone speak in Shul unless it's a Rav who is Yoshev al who has a job as a Rav somewhere, or a Tamil Chacham Mephursam, because in those days, people would come, pretend to be Tamil Chachamim, and they would get up and they would say all types of uh, things that are not proper for our Amuna reform and Haskalah. So he wrote in a letter, you shouldn't let anybody speak in a shul unless you know who he is exactly. There's an unbelievable letter he writes very, very, very sharply in Geras Lamed Aleph to the author of the Tiferes Yisrael, Amishnayis. And um, the Tiferes Yisrael held him in great esteem. If you learn Tiferes Yisrael, which is an unbelievable sefer, Amishnayis, he uh, quotes Riki Vega numerous times. But the Tiferes Yisrael wanted his son to be a Rav in, in his hometown, I don't remember which city it was, where he had been born, and his son was not married yet. And Reb Kivega writes to him, Libi Baru my, my heart is, is burning with fire on this. Lahanik Chadoshes, you're making new things here. He says, you can't do that. Ani Eilech Kenegedze, he says, I'm going to fight. And if you're going to go ahead with this, he tells him, to push that your son should be the Rav, I'm going to do everything in my power to stop it. He says, I'd be much happier if you'll just retract and I won't have to do all of this. Um, they sent him Shilas from all over to, uh, to, to his yeshiva. I'm sorry, they, Bachram came from all over to his yeshiva. Shilas came from all over the world, the countries to him. Um, and we have Chuvas Ribkivega, two small volumes. That's only some of the Chuvas. Because every time he wrote a Chuva, he would have someone who would make a copy. There were no photocopies, so someone had to write it over. So that's how we have the Chuvas Ribkivega from the copies of his Chuva. The problem is he wrote much quicker than the person who wrote the copies. And often he would send them out to the mail before all the copies were made. So there were many Chuvas that were sent out that we don't have copies of. So that's why we only have the volumes that we have of um, Chuvas Reb Kivager. Now we'll talk about the Chuvas. His son Reb Shloyman, Nakdama to Chuvas, um, Reb Kivager writes, and it's Kedai to go through, it's not a long Hakdama, but it's fascinating. 
He says that Rikivega really didn't want to print his shuvas at all. He says we had to convince him, Harbei uh, Rav Hafsaris, we had to convince him for a very long time till finally he agreed. And Rabbi Kivager over there, he, he brings there numerous letters Rabbi Kivager wrote about how to print it. So the first thing he says that if there's any shilas that are doubled, repeats, don't print them twice. And he says, even though it's possible that there's a chiddush in one over the other that I didn't say in the first one, he says, but it's not fair for the reader. He was very concerned that the reader should not have a tircha of seeing the same shaila twice, even if there's a knech or a chiddush that's different. And we find that often in shuvas like that. He didn't want that to happen. He says, um, ain kedai lahalois ain hakairi. Someone who's going to read it, it's going to be a bother for him. He says, you should not print the titles that they wrote to me. You know, Harav, Hagoyin, Rashka Bahag, all those things, you should not print them at all. He says, I'm so disgusted by them. He says, I was macabre on myself that I don't even look at them. When I get a letter, I don't even look at the titles. Um, and I don't read them or look at them at all. Um, so he says, if I don't want to see them, for sure you shouldn't print them. Because if you're going to print them and they're going to be in print, that means that they're going to stay around for a while. In the Eilam Ames, they're going to see that there's printed about such great, uh, such chasheva titles about me. It's going to be a bizayin for me in the Eilam Ames if these things are, these titles are in print. Now he says, when I wrote letters to other people, I did the same minig. I wrote this about them as well, he says. He says, but don't print it about the other people either. Why? Because it's included in my Don't do it to someone else what you don't want done to yourself. I don't want anyone to say these things that I don't believe are true about me and print them, so I wouldn't do that to other Rabbanim and write the t- print the titles that I wrote about them. Then he says, many of the people who asked me Shilas learned in my yeshiva, whether it was in Lisa, in Friedland, or here in Posen. So he told his son, don't write that they're my Talmud. I never referred to anyone as my student, because I always said, who knows, who knows more? Maybe he knows more than me, and I'm his Talmud. So don't write that they're my students. Now, Reb Shleim Eger wanted that the tshuva should be divided. The ones that are Nagea Halacha Lemaisa, they should go al Seder HaShulchan Aruch, and they should be called the Psakim, the Psak, Halacha. And other ones should be in a second, a separate section called Ksavim, Letters. Rabbi Kivager didn't want this, because he said, it sounds like Psakim, that I'm passing Halacha Psuka, that this is the Halacha, he says, Tamid miyire I'm those who feared paskening. He says, I always relied on the person that I'm writing the letter to, that he'll look at it and he'll decide if he likes my psak or not. But Lemaisa, the way we have it in the Chuvas, it is split up that way. The first half is psakim, the second half is ksavim. So Shlaim Eger writes in brackets, he says, I left it that way, and I'm not going against my father's will, Khalila, because since I'm writing the Hakdama that he didn't want it, Sor HaKashash Me'atzmai, it's as if it's, you know, there's like this uh, disclaimer in the front, that's enough, it's not his problem, this is what we did, and therefore people should know um, that he's not really mean it as Psak Halacha. Um, he also writes that it, the Rebbe Kivager told him in Akdama he should mention Akaras Atoiv to the people of Posen that I am the Rav here so far for 19 years. They listen to my Musr. They support those who learn in the Yeshiva. You should also thank the people of Markish Friedland. I was in their midst for 24 years and they also supported uh, my Yeshiva. 
Famously, he says, please print on nice paper with dark black ink and nice letters because when you learn from a safer no umehudar, it's a different type of learning. You enjoy it more. And that's why he, this very famous piece that he says, you should print, the publishing should be done well. In the year, year 1830, after the Ptira of Ramardcha Benet in Nicholsburg, there was a little talk perhaps of being him the Rav of Nicholsburg, but it didn't happen. In Tavkuf Tzadi Aleph was the famous uh, uh, cholera pandemic in Europe. And this is where, if you remember last year by COVID, they had letters from Kiveger where he said certain tilims to say, certain katairis to say. Um, he also gave practical etzas of how many people in the shul and so on and so forth. So he worked very much at Kiveger to uh, do a lot of chesed and a lot of ishtadlus, whether it's through practical health things as well as skulas and different things like that. And it seemed he saved a lot of people's lives, so much so that the king, Frederick Wilhelm III, who was the king of Prussia at the time, actually wrote him a letter of Akara Satayv for the chesed that he did during those days. In Tavkuf Tzadivov, um, on the third day of Cholomai Pesach, his wife was Nifter. Um, remember from his first wife he had four children. Uh, his second wife he had six sons and five daughters. He had a total of 15 children. Um, a little bit after that, in Tavkuf Tzadivav, they asked him to become the Rav of Vilna, but he didn't go to Vilna. And in Elul of Tavkuf Tzadi Zayin, uh, 1837, he got sick, and he was not able to talk anymore. He lost his power of speech. And someone would daven the entire davening in front of him to be him. It's very interesting. He was able to say, Amen, Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echad, Amen Yehishmei Rabbah, the whole thing, the brachas on tefillin, and the pasuk tilas Hashem yidaber pi vivarach habas Hashem kachel leilam boed. That pasuk, which he would say numerous times during the day, but that's it. He was not able to say anything else. And so this was an elul of tafkuf tzadi zayin. And about a month later, on Yud Gimel Tishrei of tafkuf tzadi ches, he was nifter at the age of seventy six. Um, and he wrote in his tzava. He wrote two tzavas, two wills. One is what to do with his uh, estate, his money. And one is what to do about his Levaya and Avelos. And he wrote numerous things there. One of the things he says is that anyone who shaves should not be Malavami unless they accept on themselves to stop shaving. And he writes, and if they do, I'll be a Melitz Yosher and Shemayim for them for this big Aver that they do. People used to shave with a razor in those days. Um, he says that on his Matseva it should just say, Poi Nitman Eved la'avdei Hashem. He was an Eved to the Avdei Hashem in Marcus Friedland and in Posen. So he was an Eved to the Avdei Hashem. That's how he calls himself as a Rav. A servant to the Avdei Hashem. Um, and he says that they should not eulogize him only befanov. It shouldn't be like out. No one should say a spadim unless it's at the Levaya. And they should not say any praises about him even befanov. Except for the following, that from the age of 15, again, till 76, so that's uh, 61 years, Lamad Torah im Talmidim, he taught Torah with Talmidim, mitoch surim kashim. Remember, he said he was very weak, and uh, I couldn't go into all the details, but he had a lot of health issues, and, um, and he was sick very often, stomach issues, all types of things. He says that he taught Torah from the age of 15, mitoch surim kashim. Obviously, that must be very true, because that's the one thing he said they're allowed to say um, about him. He still had some single children when he was nifter, actually two boys and two girls, and he asks his, uh, 
his older children to take care of the younger ones and make sure they grow up and do Shiduchim Agunim. He left over some money for them as well. And uh, that was that was Rebbe Kiveger. And as we know, we live off his Svarim, the Gilyan Ashas on the side of the Gemara, which is his notes from Ashas. We have the Chuvas Rebbe Kiveger. We have Rebbe Kiveger al Mishnayis. It's called Taisis Rebbe Kiveger al Mishnayis. There's the Drush V'Chidush, the Lamdusha Svarim Rebbe Kiveger, and Zraim and Mayed. There's Chidushim and Shulchan Aruch that we have. And uh, we have now Chidushim Kiveger al Ashas. Many, many Svarim. This is Rebbe Kiveger. The, from the Gedele, the Gadol Hadar of the time, Schusayogin Aleinu, Be'al Yisrael, have a wonderful day everybody, Kol Tov.